What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking? It's true, Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath & Body, created pit liquor. You heard me right, pit liquor. It's an all-natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found pit liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit liquor is wonderful. They save my underarms. No more sweaty, itchy underarms for me. So I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smell, I guess, away. Pit liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen. I came across pit liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their product. So the difference between pit liquor and other natural deodorant is I do not stink. <laughs> I've tried several, several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But pit liquor for me lasts all day. Pit liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by Inwego, of course, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here, Wednesday edition of the show. We got a lot to talk about today. Another Nuggets win. They took down the Knicks the other night at Pepsi Center, 115-108. It wasn't the easiest game. They were playing with some fire in the first half, in the second half, finally took control down the stretch. But a win is a win, nonetheless, especially when they're getting all these guys back from injury. So we got a Jokic triple-double to talk about. We've got some other observations from the game, of course. Malik Beasley continues to ball out of his mind right now. We got a lot on him. So we'll get to all those in a second. I think where we wanted to start off, though, Emmanuel Moutier made his return to Pepsi Center. I wrote in my story that it was a highly anticipated return. I don't know. I might have sold that a little too much. It was anticipated for sure. Anytime a player who spent, I'll say, a minimum of two seasons, much less one that was drafted by the organization and kind of billed as the face of the franchise, it's a deal of some sort when that player would return to Denver. But what do you think of him being back in Pepsi Center for the first time since that trade last season? Well, I'll tell you what I was anticipating. I was anticipating whether there was going to be a tribute video to the Emmanuel mm. Moutier era in Denver. It seems like every NBA player gets a tribute tribute video when he goes to his old team nowadays. The Nuggets kind of settled on a happy medium. They gave him just a still image, and they said, thank you, Emmanuel Moutier. I felt like that was appropriate, honestly. Yeah, classy touch. 
a tribute video would have been too much, I Way believe. Way too much. Uh, when you're only here for two and a half seasons. Uh, yeah, and I mean, what would the highlights have been? Like getting blown by and not finishing at the rim? Oh, man, that's cold. No, it, hey, there would have been some highlights from his uh, first career game in Houston. I still remember that game like it was yesterday. Spirits were high. Spirits were very, very high after that uh, opening night win, the first game of Moutier's career in Houston way long ago. Yeah, uh, the just the still image, and thank you, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is nice. I mean, he did. He did. I guess he was the face of this team through some really turbulent times. So mm-hmm. it, it probably wasn't easy. He was the face of this team at 19 years old when this team had no identity, no path forward. Really, they had a bunch of holdovers from the Brian Shire, like Daniel Gallinari and Wilson Chandler, and they had and Ty Lawson probably should forget to mention Ty Lawson. And then they had this injection of young talent from Moutier to Nicole Jokic. Those two were rookies together. Yusef Nurkic was obviously here, Gary Harris, uh, and so on and so forth. But he was, I guess, the bridge to the Jokic era. Him and Daniil Gallinari, kind of as weird as that may sound, but those two guys kind of held things over until Jokic took over. Yeah, what a weird time, man. Yeah. Um, all, the, all the media talk leading up to this game was Emmanuel Moutier is – a much improved player in his new situation. Um, it's clear that Moutier and David Fizdale seem to have a really good relationship. Fizz kind of pumping him up, sort of let him be the guy. Fizz said before the game that Moutier is actually a leader for the Knicks, so mm-hmm. Fizz obviously loves what he has in him. Do you do you subscribe to that? Do you really think Moutier is a, a much improved player? Uh, no, I don't. And he's better in some aspects of his game, it seems, finishing at the rim. His mid-range numbers are up this year, but he doesn't look like he's that much improved from when he left Denver. He looks better in some areas, but I'm not going to sit here and say he's a drastically different player from the guy that left Denver last year. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you there. There are two things he's doing better this year than he did those first first couple seasons in Denver. He's turning the ball over a little bit less, and he's hitting his mid-range shots at a really high degree. Mm -hmm. So those are two areas of, of improvement, I think, but... You know, watching this game, I mostly just saw the same old Moutier. It was a guy who can't really finish when he gets to the rim, and he takes a lot of those those fallaway mid-range jumpers. Now, those fallaway mid-range jumpers are, are going in at a much higher rate for him this year, but he still can't get those bunnies to go down, man. He was 3-for-10 at the rim in this game. Jokic blocked the shot on one of those. Um, I, I pretty much saw the same guy. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I'm still not totally out on him as a prospect. I think I put it at... 3070 that I think he'll develop into a really good caliber rotation player. But like we said on a Tuesday show previewing this game, I don't know if I was buying the uh, the stats. Like He's got to be doing it for a winning team. And the Knicks aren't winning right now, but he's in a good situation. I like that the Knicks are kind of giving him the rock and just letting him go out there, living with his mistakes, something the Nuggets couldn't do a year ago when they were trying to Locked down a playoff spot, and they just could not live with those mistakes, the turnovers, the poor shot selection. He had nine assists in this game. He did some good things, um, but I'd agree with you. He looks like a pretty similar player to the one he was a year ago, but this is a good place for him to get better and grow his game for sure. Still only 22. Yeah, if there's going to be a place it's going to work out for him, it's probably going to be there. Under David Fizdell, he seems like a great coach for Moutier. It's a pretty low-pressure environment right now. 
I don't know. Maybe expectations change when they get Zion this summer, oh, and then please KP make comes it back. Happen. Please make it happen. Must see front court. Please, please, God, let us let us get Zion and KP. That'd be an awesome combo. Well, my my dream Knicks team, just on a quick tangent, is John Wall, Kristaps Porzingis, Kevin Knox, Emmanuel Mudiay, and Kevin Durant. Let's oh. go. And yep. Zion Williamson in there. Uh, I'd I'd watch that team a little bit. That team would generate some excitement out of the Big Apple. Here's the uh, funniest part of Moutier's game. 15 points, 9 assists, 7 of 20 from the field. Similar shooting numbers to what he posted in Denver over his time here. Who had the better game, though, between him and Jamal Murray? Oof. I mean, Murray wasn't very good in this game. He um, was quiet. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Moutier had a bad game, or not a bad game. I'd say he had a pretty average game. A typical Moody Moutier game that we saw over and over again in Denver, but I don't think he got outplayed by Jamal Murray. He might have even outplayed Jamal Murray a tad. Yeah, I would probably give the slight edge to Moutier in this game. It was it was pretty clear to me that he really wanted this one, man. Oh, he yeah. was he was going super hard. It's kind of what we've seen from Danilo Gallinari in those two matchups against the Nuggets earlier this year. It's probably just natural as a player when you and a team part ways, you want to stick it to your old team. I mean, it's like when you see your ex-girlfriend out at the bars. Like, you want to act like you're living your best life, man. I mean, you you don't want to seem like you're sad and miserable when you see your ex out. So, yeah, Moutier was playing really hard in this one. Um, I would probably say he slightly outplayed Murray. Moutier made some nine pass, nice passes in this one. I still don't love his shot selection and finishing ability, but he did have nine assists, and that is one area of his game I, I think is – promising is his playmaking ability there was no play that showed how much Moutier wanted this one more than late in the game and I wrote about this you can find it on bsndenver.com I kind of expanded on this one sequence and what it meant but Murray or Moutier comes down the floor uh, with what under a minute remaining uh, the Knicks are down by five or six, just in need of a bucket. They need to score this possession, or the game is probably over. Uh, Moutier calls his own number, clears out the whole left side of the floor, tries to go into one of those classic post-ups from the wing where he tries to back his man down, tries to turn into him, tries to draw contact, and of course his defenders Jamal Murray. And that was symbolic of a couple things, I thought. Like how many times did those two probably go head-to-head on the practice court over the last couple years. And Jamal Murray, of course, is the guy who took Emmanuel Moutier's job in Denver uh, when it was all said and done at the beginning of last season. And then, of course, on that sequence, Moutier turns into Murray trying to draw the foul, and Jamal Murray blocks his shot. Denver comes down and pretty much ices the game from there. A late-game sequence that I think kind of summed up the night and summed up where Moutier is and where the Nuggets are since the trade. That was definitely a standout sequence. Murray is, I mean, guys try to post him up a lot just because, I mean, he's not the biggest guy. He's not undersized for a point guard, but he's probably got average size for a point guard. Well, and Moutier is 6'5 and much thicker than Murray, too. Yeah, he's he's big for sure, but Murray's pretty good at hanging tough when guys try to post him up. He swatted Wes Matthews, and the Nuggets took the other way in that game in Dallas. Pretty good defense on Moutier there, so... Murray is one tough dude, and uh, one of the things that stood out about Moutier's return to me, too, was how well-liked he is by his former teammates. Like, mm-hmm. every nugget who played with Moutier was coming up to him and dapping him up, talking him up. He went and exchanged a hug with Michael Malone. There's not really any bad feelings either way, it seemed like. 
No, he, he's a good kid. He's a super nice guy who just things didn't work out for him here. Uh, but it's not like he burnt any bridges or was a bad soldier when he was here. He, he was a stand-up guy who, like we said a couple minutes ago, was the face of this team and spoke with the media after all those losses over the first couple years. He was a starting point guard and uh, had a lot of ups and had a lot of downs. But, you know, he was a fighter. He gave it his all. And I think a lot of guys respect him for that. And, you know, he was a young guy kind of on a similar timeline age-wise with a lot of these other young guys. Uh, the Gary Harris's of the world, the Murray's, the Beasley's, the Wancho's, all these guys are around similar ages. And Gary Harris was the one guy who was probably particularly close to him. His backcourt mate in the starting lineup for the first couple of years that Moutier started for Denver and then... Uh, locker mates with him they had their lockers right next to each other so yeah that was definitely something that stood out as well I thought but yeah all in all I agree I'll give the slight edge to Moutier in this matchup uh he went for 15 and 9 like I said 7 to 20 shooting and Jamal Murray was quiet except for those two big posters but those were definitely a couple big posters he had yeah shout out to those dunks jeez all right so we'll see what those two do in the next matchup when these two teams meet in New York, of course, Moutier will get another crack at these nuggets. And I guess let's move on here. The next topic we should probably get to, Nikola Jokic, his third triple-double of the year in 34 minutes. Effortless is how a lot of people were describing this one. What stands out to you from his night and the big numbers he posted? I'm running out of words to describe Nikola Jokic's brilliance. I mean, it just it shouldn't look this easy. Jokic just dominated every aspect of the game. He did it with scoring. He did it with passing. He did it with rebounding. He blocked three shots in this game. Um, I mean, I I don't even know what to say. Jokic was incredible passing starting out this game. He had six assists in the first quarter. I mean, some of those dimes were just ridiculous. Jokic takes a ball off the rim, goes full court, feeds Murray for that dunk. He throws that that alley oop to Plumlee that was just perfectly placed. I really like that that one-handed whip pass to Trey Lyles. Like, the ball is at Jokic's foot. Usually a guy, when he catches it down there, it takes him like a second to gather. Jokic just, like, in one motion, picks it up and throws it one-handed to Lyles for the layup. I think my favorite Jokic pass of the night, though, was the one that pretty much sealed it for Denver. He caught the ball in the middle of the floor, and he was looking at the left corner, and he just throws a no-looker to Malik Beasley, who's standing in a dunker spot. He basically turned Tim Hardaway Jr. into an ice sculpture there. Yeah, that was on the sequence I was just uh, mentioning when Moutier went at Murray late in the game and then Murray blocked a shot and then Denver came back on the other end and Jokic had that nifty dime to Beasley. My favorite one was one you mentioned a few seconds ago, the one-handed slinger into Lyles in the in the post. We talked about earlier this season how at times Jamal Murray overcomplicates the game with, with his passing and stuff, trying to make the tough play. He should take some cues from Nikola Jokic if he's running into that issue again later on this season. Murray's been much better as of late, playmaking, being a point guard, making the right play, the easy play. Nikola Jokic always makes the easy play and the right play. It really seems like it's an easy game for him right now. He has the ball. He's running up the floor, evaluates his options, no, I'm not going to go there. This is a better look, pass, score. It seems like it's a very easy game for him right now. The way he's able to evaluate like what what the best look is for his team in just like nanoseconds is incredible to me. Like when he catches the ball on the pick and roll and he's and he's kind of going towards the hoop, 
it takes them like 0.2 seconds to figure out what the best pass is. I, I just think like he's in like the hundredth percentile of NBA players in, in terms of just like being able to process decisions quickly. He, he almost knows what he's going to do before he gets the ball a lot of the time too. Like he'll, he'll kind of look at the defense and be like, all right, well they're, they're sort of shading towards the guy who's standing in the dunker spot. So I'm just going to look that way, but I'm actually just going to throw to the left corner and, That'll buy my guy that extra half second to just get him like a wide open look. It's crazy. How good is Nikola Jokic in transition? If he's not the best transition player in the game, he's probably in the top three with a LeBron, with a Giannis. When Nikola Jokic has the ball at midcourt, he's bringing it up the floor, he's evaluating his options. That's more times than not going to be a bucket for Denver. The Nuggets aren't not scoring in that situation too often when Nikola Jokic is leading the break. He's not going to get the ball up the floor too quickly, but you know he's always going to make the right decision when Denver's got a four-on-three, a three-on-two. If Jokic has the ball in the middle of the floor on a fast break, it's going to lead to an open three or an open layup. Um, he's got to be one of the best transition guys in the league. Where do you have him in that category? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know if I would put him top five because when I just think of best transition players, I think of you got to be able to score the ball too. Um, I mean, transition passers, yeah. I mean, it's probably like Jokic and LeBron or and Jokic and maybe Giannis or something like that, but he's incredible. Before the game, David Fisdell called him a seven foot two Magic Johnson. Um I didn't think that was that crazy, except for the part where Fizdale called him seven foot two. Right. <laughs> Does he think he's as tall as Porzingis? <laughs> <laughs> he's more like six ten. Although the Nuggets were listing him at seven foot for a while this year, I'm not sure if they still are. But the Magic Johnson comparison is an accurate one. He's not as fast as Magic, but that's the feeling you get when he's bringing the ball up on the fast break. And his ability to just dominate a game where he scores in the teens, too. Like, that feels like something Magic Johnson was able to do. He'd have 16 points, which it's not a little, but it's not a lot. But he'd still just by far be the best player in the game. Jokic does that, too. And I think a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that, to be honest. Yeah, Jokic with 19, 14, and 15. He was at 13 assists. When was that? Early in the third quarter? Yeah, with like six yeah, six minutes to go six in the third quarter. Six or seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And I let my mind kind of wander for a second. And I thought, man, could he get 20 in this game? Because I believe <laughs> there's a 20-assist game for Jokic coming at some point this oh, yeah. year. If it doesn't come in the course of a normal NBA game, I could see it coming in the All-Star game. This year? Yeah, I think he's going to get a 20-assist game this year. He could have got it this game. I don't know why the assists tapered off after the third quarter, but yeah, he was at around 13 early in the third quarter at like the seven-minute mark. I think it happens this year. The last center to do that was Wilt Chamberlain. Russell Westbrook was the last player to do that. He had a 20-assist game and a 21-assist game last year. Nobody's done it this year. Maybe that's another one of my bold predictions for 2019. Nicole Jokic will get a 20-assist game. How about that? Oh, boy. What's his career high right now? 17? Yeah. Okay. I think 20 is, is within range, and I could see him doing it You know, kind of during the stretch run when Denver finally has all its pieces back and they get into some sort of rhythm. I mean, I, we haven't even seen – what an A-plus version of this offense looks like yet. We've 
we've probably seen this offense, I don't know, operating at like a B plus level, a mm-hmm. B level so far. I just think there's so much more there. When when you get Will Barton back, who's another guy who can put the ball on the floor and hit threes, when you get Gary Harris back in there, I, I mean, going into the year, I thought they're going to be a top three offense, and these injuries have, have kind of derailed that, but I still think that type of potential is here. Yeah, and they're getting some of those guys back. I guess we can hit that real quick before we take this first break here. Gary Harris was back for the first time in uh, how many games did he miss? 10, 11, something around there. Paul Millsap was back for a second game. He came off the bench again. Gary looked really rusty as expected. 20 minutes, one of five shooting, didn't really make a huge impact, but he had two nice assists. It was great to see him out there. You quickly remember how much better he makes his teammates. The bigger story was Millsap, though. That's 22 minutes, 6 of 13 from the field, really took over in that third quarter when Denver's offense was hurting for a bit. 16 points off the bench for him, a plus 17. Michael Malone said over the past couple days that he's going to wait until Paul Millsap has his rhythm again before inserting him back into the starting lineup. Do you think this qualifies as finding his rhythm? I think it does. Yeah. I mean, he had, he missed some free throws. He missed six free throws in this game. But as far as just shooting from the field, he had the, the full old man game going. There mm-hmm. were the spins, the mid-range step backs, um, a couple just dirty shots where it was just like basically your uncle cooking people at a summer barbecue or something like that. The Uncle Paul nickname is so fitting, man. It is. Uh, he's just kind of this calming sense. And it's funny, everybody's catching on to what we've been saying for a while now about Millsap, how he just takes the hardest shots in the league. And it's not like it's something new because that's what he's been doing for his entire career. The guy does not make it easy on himself in the half court, but that's how he's made hundreds of millions of dollars throughout his career. So I guess he's doing something right. He's got such a weird offensive game. Yeah, Millsap was in there for 23 minutes. The Nuggets were a plus 17 in his time on the floor. So I am I expect him to be back in the starting lineup um, Thursday in Charlotte. And Gary Harris, probably expect him to come off the bench one more time as well. He was in there for 20 minutes. Yeah. So if, give him uh, a little more chance to shake out the rust. If not one more time, maybe in a couple more games. Yeah, Gary was out for, for quite a bit here. Yeah, Torrey's uh, playing pretty well, too. He's knocking down some shots. It's been a revelation. What's gotten into him? I mean, Torrey Craig can shoot the ball now. For earlier in the season, right when Will Barton went down, he could not make anything, and Denver had to move him out of the starting lineup, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Torrey's not the, the 20% three-point shooter that we saw earlier this year. He's probably somewhere between, you know, slightly below average and average, somewhere around there. I mean, I think Torrey could be a, a mid-30s three-point shooter one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got to take a break real quick. A lot more to get to from this game. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right. As many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spanos here, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. <laughs> if it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com BSN 
or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego. Wednesday edition of the program, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here as always. The last thing I want to say about Jokic's effortless triple-double, his third of the year. And by the way, this is just his third of the year. He could have had around 10 right now. He's come one rebound, one assist away on countless occasions here. I liked how he got Trey Lyles going. That's something you love about Jokic. He can identify when he needs to get certain guys going. I think you see that a lot with Gary Harris or Jamal Murray. If those guys are struggling, he'll specifically look to get them easy looks. And he did that for Lyles, I thought. Lyles, again, was struggling to begin this game. But Jokic got him two or three easy baskets around the rim where Lyles didn't really have to take a dribble. Just kind of had to turn to the hoop and dunk it or lay it in. I really like that about Jokic. That was the last thing I wanted to say about his night. But I like how he can get guys going when they need that little boost. Yeah, Lyles, four of his five buckets were basically from point-blank range in this game. Third triple-double of the season for Jokic. Up to three dunks as well, so we're even right now. We're even right now. You should be leading. He should have way more triple-doubles. The defense. What's happening to the defense? This team has been top five defensively all year long. They're slipping right now. What's the biggest thing that you can point to in terms of what's wrong with the defense? Michael Malone said after the game last night, a lack of discipline, a lack of communication. When I asked him specifically what he was seeing, what are you seeing over the last month, I'll say? Yeah, they've slipped to eighth in defensive rating after spending much of the season in the top five. They're in danger of falling out of the top ten if they, they can't get some things corrected. I would point to two issues. Um, one is just being lackadaisical, frankly. I mean, the, I don't think the effort and, and the focus was was there for a lot of the game on the defensive end last night. They didn't really bring defense into the game until the fourth quarter, I thought. There was a play in the third quarter where it was just a simple pick and roll, Moutier going right, and both Jokic and Murray just went to the basket. No one even picked uh, Moutier up, and he drained a wide-open mid-range jumper, Michael Malone, Called an angry timeout. Mm-hmm. He had to call a lot of angry timeouts last night. So. He called a Popovich timeout a minute into a quarter. Yeah. I mean, and they were justified, man. I mean, they were playing pretty poor. Um, and then the other thing, too, is I think teams are just making wide-open threes. Like, teams were not really hitting wide-open threes against the Nuggets in the early part of the year. First 23 games, opponents were shooting 34.6% on wide-open threes. In their last 12 games, opponents are shooting 40.2%. Mm-hmm. That's starting since that Magic game when the Magic hit 23s and Evan Fournier hit a million threes from the left corner. So I think it's a combination of teams just hitting shots and the Nuggets not quite bringing it like they did. I'd agree with both those points. And the three-point shooting, we know from earlier in the season there's some luck involved in that statistic when Denver was the best three-point shooting defense by a mile. Teams just weren't making any threes against them, but that number eventually went up. The other reason I'd point to, and I think we might be trying too hard to find reasons why the defense hasn't been really good, but Paul Millsap missed a huge chunk of those games. (laughs) Paul Millsap (laughs) missed from that Atlanta game to that second Spurs game. He missed nine games in a row, you know, nine of the last 11. Uh, and over these last 11 games, Denver is 
around 18th in defense, a little below league average, and Millsap hasn't played in most of those games. We know Paul Millsap is a game changer on that end of the floor. He's probably the one guy on this team, maybe him, Mason Plumley might be the other, who can really impact a game single-handedly with their defense. On the ball, in help side, Millsap's that guy for this team. He's their defensive captain. Jokic is their offensive captain. Millsap's their defensive captain. So I think Millsap missing eight of those games has been huge. Gary Harris, too, who's a solid help side defender and on ball. Yeah, I mean, Millsap is unquestionably this team's best defender. I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that Gary Harris is this team's second most important defender. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go a couple games without both of those guys, then, of course, there's going to be some slippage. Uh, It's just natural. The other thing with the defense, I've realized that this year more than anything, but you can be a really good on-ball defender and still really struggle as a help side defender. I think you see that with a bunch of guys on this Nuggets roster, like a Malik Beasley. He's a really good on-ball defender. When you give him a one-on-one assignment, he can lock in on a guy. He's super athletic. He can contain a lot of the really talented scoring wings in this league one-on-one. But he still makes a lot of mistakes as a team defender in rotations. That play you mentioned uh, where Denver miscommunicated on that Moutier jumper. I think that involved Beasley, or it might not have been that one, but he was involved in a couple miscommunications against the Knicks like he has over the last few weeks as this defense has slid a little bit. But him, Wancho makes a lot of mistakes, really as both an on-ball defender and a help side guy. Um, even a guy like Jamal makes a lot of mistakes. So there's a big difference between being a really good on-ball defender and a really good team defender. The elite defenders are both like a Paul Millsap, but a lot of young guys struggle in those areas. And I think you're seeing that a lot over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, Paul is, is awesome on ball. He's really good in help, but just, just watch how focused he is for the entire defensive possession that's a that's a skill that not a lot of guys have. Like Paul just keeps his head on a swivel the entire time. He's aware of where all the chess pieces are on the board. It sounds like an easy thing to do, but it's not. I mean, guys just lose focus for whatever reason. Yeah, Tory Craig's another one of those guys who can really lock his man up on ball. Like he's done time and time again against the Russell Westbrooks of the world and a lot of these point guards that he's gone up against this year. But off the ball, he'll still get lost from time to time. It's something that comes with being a young player who doesn't have as many reps under his belt as a Paul Millsap. You saw Denver's lack of defense, I think, up close more than any other matchup when you looked at Kevin Knox against Wancho Aaron Gomez and how Knox was really able to get off with 13 first-half points. I went back and watched all his buckets here uh, before we started recording. Sometimes you got to be careful with those NBA.com matchup numbers. They're not always super accurate, but I think the film backed up these numbers. Wancho guarded Knox on 26 possessions uh, per NBA.com. With Wancho as his closest defender, Knox was 5-9 and nine from the field for 12 points, and most of those came around the rim. That was one of our fears with Wancho and Angobez playing the three against some of these starting caliber small forwards, would he be able to stay with them just defending on the perimeter, defending one-on-one? Kevin Knox really ate him up, I thought. Yeah, Kevin Knox, uh, he looked pretty good in this game. Looks like a player. I feel like I was kind of lukewarm on him um, coming into the draft, and I don't know, maybe I overthought. I mean, this dude's so young. I think he's the second youngest player 
in this draft class. It's either him or Jaron Jackson Jr. He's huge, too. That was one thing that stuck out to me in person. I mean, that dude's like 6'9", 6'10", real well built, and he's such a fluid athlete. I mean, the way he was attacking the rim off some of those closeouts, I think Kevin Knox is uh, going to be a good scorer in this league for a while. Yeah, he beat Wancho off the dribble a bunch of times, beat Millsap off the dribble once in the first half, kind of quieted down over the third and fourth quarters, but really got a lot of work in in that first half. Uh, So Denver's got to be better there. That's probably another reason why this defense has fallen off a little. With the injuries, without Harris and Paul Millsap, you're playing a Wancho 25, 30 minutes a game. You're playing a Malik Beasley 25, 30 minutes a game. Guys who aren't used to playing those types of minutes. And when you stretch guys like that, you're probably not going to get the defensive intensity you usually get from those types of players when you only play them you know, 15 to 20 a game. So that, that could be a reason the defensive numbers are falling off a little as well. I felt like Monte Morris didn't really have a rhythm in this game, really from the opening tip. It was weird. He only played five minutes in the first half, a ton of minutes in the second half, but struggled with his jumper. He hasn't really popped for me over these last couple games, and it's been few and far between when we've said he's had a poor game. But um, over these last two, he hasn't really, I guess, popped, like I said. Yeah, the last three games, one for six, one for six, and two for eight. So, I mean, Monte has pretty much been shooting the lights out this season. Maybe he's fallen back down to earth a little bit. I mean, even if he's going to go through these patches where he's not shooting the ball well, I still love him as his team's backup point guard just from what he brings from playmaking and defensive standpoint. But you're right, it has been a while since he really jumped off the page. And staying on the topic of the bench unit, Malik Beasley continues to jump off the page. He's been one of the biggest stories from this stretch of games where Denver's been without Gary Harris, and he did it again against the Knicks, a team high or not a team high, second best plus minus on the team. Next to Paul Millsap, he was a plus 11, 23 points. I'll tell you what Malik Beasley's done over this recent stretch He's made it very tough on Michael Malone, who's going to have some tough decisions to make when Gary Harris is playing 30, 33 minutes again, when Will Barton gets back here. Both those guys are going to cut into Malik Beasley's minutes, but he's been a game changer uh, for Denver over the last few weeks. Nobody has benefited more from these injuries, I feel, than one Wancho and two Malik, who we've said this time and time again, but this guy is beginning to kind of poke into that really lofty ceiling he's got. Yeah, I I think the biggest silver lining, if you're looking for one with all these injuries, is Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez are are solid NBA rotation players. I think they've proved that over this stretch. Malik Beasley's jumper is butter, man. It's it's so smooth. Um, I mean, he he hit a couple pull-ups last night, five threes. He's shooting above 40% from the three-point line right now. I mean... Malik Beasley can get buckets, man, and he did some other things too. He had six rebounds, five assists in this game, didn't turn the ball over at all. He's a plus 11. It's just really, really impressive, and we've talked a lot about how he's playing a little bit more under control. I know that Malik really focused on improving his balance this summer when he went up for a shot. He focused on jumping straight up and down, not going forward, not fading backwards, and I think we've seen the work he put in this summer really translating into the games this year. Yeah, I think this is 
going to really pay off for Denver in the long run. And I'm talking about in the playoffs, late in the season, even if a guy like Malik Beasley, who's playing 30 minutes now, might only be playing, I don't know, 15 minutes per game down the stretch in the playoffs, there are going to be more injuries. I hope for the Nuggets' sake that they don't have another injury spell like they had earlier this year. But guys are going to get hurt throughout the rest of the season. And the fact that the Maliks of the world and the Wanchers of the world and the Monte Morris of the world have played 30 minutes in a lot of these games as of late, that's going to help them out down the stretch. Those guys aren't going to be scared to play a big role if called upon. So I agree. It's a silver lining here that these young guys off the bench, these role players uh, that Denver has drafted and developed over the last few years have gotten some really quality reps. I think it's going to help them down the line. Um, but, I mean, Malik Beasley showing us a lot here right now. Yeah, how often has he closed games lately? It's crazy. Um, he, I mean, he didn't get to close the other night, but that was only because he hurt his ankle. But I have confidence in throwing him out there in those critical situations now, and that was definitely not the case last year. Yeah, he he's owning the moment right now. It's not a moment that's too big for him. It's funny, his shot selection, it's not that he doesn't always take shots that you're like, oh, you know, it's a great shot. Yeah, he still takes bad shots. Right. He still takes bad shots from time to time, but right now they're going in. Well, he had that one like, He had that one in the left corner that I remember, too. I mean, it was it was sort of a heat check shot, so he you would, could excuse it, but it was like there was 22 seconds left in the shot clock or something like that. It's like, keep moving. Right. He was 5-9 and nine from three. Two of those threes were straight heat checks. <laughs> so he was really 5-7 from three. Um, but he, he, you're right. His shot is butter right now. Uh, it's beautiful. I've always thought he had a little, maybe too much arc on it, but I mean, it's, it's a beautiful rainbow right now. His jumper. <laughs> yeah. And he's done this since the preseason too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think we've seen enough to say this is legit. I mean, I don't know if he's going to end up the year above 40%, but I think he's an above average three point shooter. Five assists for Beasley too. zero turnovers in this game. Per BSN Denver's dynamic player, Raider, which is an in-house analytic statistic that we've developed, this was Beasley's best game of the season. DPR had him rated the highest that he's that it's had him rated in any single game this year. Uh, you can find those after every game. You can find those ratings on bsndenver.com in our player grades which we publish after every game. But this, uh, statistically, per DPR, was Beasley's best game of the year. And I don't think I'm going to argue that. Uh, he was great. Definitely on offense. Had some good moments on defense as well. You know, He's emerged here with the injuries as a really valuable piece. Over these last couple games, it's almost been as if, if Malik Beasley has a good game, the Nuggets are probably going to win. Like That's the kind of role and impact he's had. Yeah, and you know, two-way wings, uh, Malik can improve a little bit on the defensive, but athletic two-way wings are, are in high demand in this league. I would imagine that Tim Connolly is uh, getting a lot of calls and texts about Malik Beasley. You would think. Uh, 22 years old, beautiful jump shot, adequate defender, uh, probably a little above average defender for his age, and can absolutely jump out of the gym and fly. I was talking with Malik the other day. He actually does not want to be in the dunk contest this year. He wants to be in it next year. I think he would take an invite this year, but he's really looking at it next year. He's planning one year out. Going into the dunk contest now is so hard. Every dunk has been done. You've got to be yeah. so creative nowadays. Like 
going between the legs and doing a 360 is like, that was pretty good, but we've seen that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe dunk contest in 2020 uh, for Malik Beasley at Beasley 2020 All Star Weekend. Yeah, Beasley 2020. Before we move on here and wrap up, got to tell you guys about our friends over at Total Beverage. You guys probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado. Now they're actually delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area, from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is still offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. But that's the thing. you got to do it on their website and app. You can download it from the App Store. You can log on to their website. Enter in promo code BSN10 to get that offer. Again, if you enter in promo code BSN10, you can save $10 off a $50 order for all your holiday parties and have it delivered to your door. Again, get that on the Total Beverage app or on their website. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Let's wrap up on today's show by looking ahead to this game Thursday. Denver goes on the road. They've got the Kings in Sacramento. They beat Sacramento fairly easily earlier this season at home, but the Kings have hung right in the thick of this Western Conference playoff race. Who are you going to be watching from the Kings? Oh, I think the easy answer is De'Aaron Fox, kind of one of the the breakout players this year. A guy with just burner speed. He's so fun to watch, man. Um, He he just kind of has this infectious personality, too, and there's this nastiness to his game. Jamal Murray's going to have his hands full, uh, staying in front of him. Fox is a freaking burner. Also love watching uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, my guy. Just does a little bit of everything pretty well. So the Kings are fun this year, man. Uh, Bogey, the fellow Serbian, I'm sure that's going to be nice for Nikola Jokic and him to catch up. I'm with you. I think this matchup might get decided at point guard. I mean, if Jamal Murray is able to contain De'Aaron Fox, I feel pretty good about Denver's chances. And then I'm predicting another big game from Nikola Jokic. I'm not sure there's anybody in that Kings front court that can give him that much trouble. So Buddy Hield up to almost 20 points a game this year, shooting at 43% from three also up to 27 years old yeah uh, a year older than everybody thought so he is like basically smack dab in it or I mean he's beginning his prime years like he's old for a guy who hasn't been in the league this long but did you think he would be this good this is about what his ceiling I thought would be this type of guy this type of shooter this type of wing yeah he's impressing me right now I still have no idea what the Pelicans were doing in that draft not taking Jamal Murray over him. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy for Buddy Heald. He's had a good little run here. So what is there, a five-year age difference between Murray and Heald? Yeah, I think Heald is actually 26 now, not not 27. Is he, that the largest age disparity between two players drafted back-to-back in NBA history? It might be. It might be, but, you know, I don't even think if Heald was actually the age that everybody thought he was, it would have deterred the Pelicans from really taking him. That's been New Orleans' uh, strategy really ever since they got Anthony Davis. They're trying to win now, and their thinking was Heald was a more NBA-ready player than Jamal Murray at that point. He could help them win more right now than Jamal Murray could. Still don't know what they were doing. Jamal Murray was clearly the better prospect, and he was better than Buddy Heald from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Murray playing with Anthony Davis that's, uh, and then throw Drew Holiday in that backcourt too. They're, they're a lot scarier. I always look back on that draft wondering why Jamal Murray did not go higher. Six foot three, six foot four. 
one-and-done guy from Kentucky, beautiful offensive game, good athlete, high recruit out of high school. It seems like he should have gone way higher than seventh. I believe Denver had him three on their board, but other teams just didn't see it for some reason. I'm not sure why. The Nuggets are pretty good about just not overthinking things in the draft. Like, I don't know. I think some of these teams maybe get too caught up in a player's flaws, rather, you know, they, they're dissecting a little bit too much. I think the Nuggets do a pretty good picture of just looking at the player as a whole in the draft. Want to remind you guys, if you have a second, we'd love a five-star review over on iTunes. We certainly appreciate it. It takes literally five seconds to click over there. Also, if you got questions for the show, don't forget to hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. We'll talk with you guys on Thursday. Until then. Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. And the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.